0: Hi and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Um, okay, first of all, I just want to say, how do you build such a great church? Please give me some tips. Um what a blessing to be here. I, I drove in at 9 o'clock this morning. thought I'd get here early. I thought I would try and beat the people here, but no. It's like half the church was already here at 9 o'clock hanging out. This church is incredible. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me. And before I get into it, we do have to address the elephant in the room. Um, if there's a radar on the worst joke you've ever heard in your entire life, okay, that radar is just the scales of tipped this morning on that joke, Pastor Christian. That was hands down the worst joke I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, um, just before we get into it, I'm very aware many of you have probably never even seen me. You're looking at me for the first time and you're thinking this, this dude is incredibly weird looking. So um, I thought I'd explain myself to you before we get into it this morning. Um, it's true, my name is James Schloizner. it's German, don't hold that against me. I'm not German per se, it's like way back in the day, so... I'm an Aussie through and through. Um, I have two kids. London is my little girl's name. Um, She's six years old, just started grade one. She's amazing. Uh, little boy, his name's Jagger. He is three, and he is just crazy, crazy good, but just crazy, you know, like little boys. And my wife, her name's Larissa. She's 28. I, I married young. I'm 35. She's 28, so I still feel like I'm 25, you know. It's amazing. And um, we 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 run a church in the city, in Brisbane City, called Collective Church, which we started about three years ago. And um, I just remember sitting at my desk one day when I was a youth and young adult pastor up here on the Sunshine Coast. And I don't know what I was doing. I was working away. I was doing something. But I just remember this moment of frustration slash revelation where I just... I slammed my computer closed, and I pushed away, and I was just saying to God, God, surely there is more than this. Like, surely we can start to reach more people. Surely we can reach people that aren't being reached at the moment. And in that moment, there was a seed dropped in my heart to, to, to pioneer something. I didn't know what that was. And the idea of pioneering a church for, for me, for my family, it was, just, it was the worst idea possible. Why would you pioneer a church? Like, if you're smart, what you do is partner with a church like this, right? And so Pastor Josh and, and Kristen could pay me some money to go start a church for them, right? That's the smart way to do it. But I just felt like God wanted us to step out in faith. And we didn't have a team of people or, you know, we, 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 we didn't gather a bunch of Christians. Literally, me and my wife moved to Brisbane And we put a thing on Facebook saying, hey, if you want to come to church, come to our lounge room on Wednesday night. That was it. And on the first night, a bunch of random people that like half of them thought they knew God. Some of them didn't know God at all. And they were in our lounge room. And we just started preaching the gospel to them and getting them saved. And then we started our church six months later. Our, um the person that ran our kids' church, I don't even know if she was saved when we started our church. But you know what? When you've got nobody, you've got to work with somebody. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I understand how Jesus felt with his disciples. Like, here they are arguing over who's going to be the greatest in heaven. And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to send these guys out to the world. Um, and, I, and so we started with nothing. And, um, and I've just seen the goodness of God come through time. And time again. And for those of you that don't know anything about me, there's one thing I really want you to know about me this morning, it's that I am just so in love with Jesus. I'm so in love with Jesus. And I'm just so in love with people. And I have an agenda this morning, so I'll just, I'm just going to get that out there straight away. My agenda this morning is that you would walk out of this place with a deci- a, a desire, a deep desire and conviction in your heart that that you want to include people into your life that you would normally try and walk past. That's my agenda this morning. My agenda is that you would walk out of here and go, you know what? I'm not walking past that person pretending I don't see them anymore. I am going to include this person into my life. Even if it's just into my moment, into My world and the title of my message, you know, if you're into taking notes and titles, is love one another. (laughs) Love one another. You know, um, I know this pastor and his whole life, his whole life, he's struggled with this idea of love and he, he runs a church. And I was chatting to him about it one day and... Just like, you know, every time we talk about love, he sort of clams up a bit, you know, like, I'm all about the God part, but the loving people part, that's, he clams up a bit. And was chatting to him, and we got to speaking about his, his parents and about his dad, and he told me that, it, now this guy was over 50, he was like 55 years old, and his father had never told him that he loved him. Never. And you know, the truth is, the the statistics will say that there's a bunch of people in this room right now that your parents have never said to you that they love you. And so we go through life, and what is the most important commandment of all the commandments in the Bible? To love one another. Some of us in this room haven't even been told that we're loved by the people that love us the most. And we live in a world where when you say the word love, it is like a... It is like mud that has been thrown at a canvas that we call art. It is just messy. No one really knows what love is anymore. People make up their own ideas of love and, and we hear love one another and we, and we go, well, you know, I'm, I'm loving my family, loving this, loving that. We make up all these excuses why we don't love certain people and why we do love certain people. And, and lo- like loving one another has become this complicated issue. But this morning, I want to simplify it into something so simple so that we can walk out of here and be the most beautiful family of believers in the world so that we can truly love one another. <laughs> in John chapter 13, if we can... Start there, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you would know this scripture. It's the words of Jesus Christ, our King, the one we follow. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Check this out in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we could walk out of this place this morning and go, you know what, my first priority is going to be to love people. Everything else is now second on that one. You know, it's not, it's not getting ahead at work. It's not moving forward in life. It's not getting all my ducks in a row. It's to love one another. I'm telling you, there's going to be a revival in Noosa like never before. So I'll tell you what every, every single human needs and what most humans can't get is love. You know, what? social media, Instagram, Facebook, we live in this generation of information. We have access to every little bit of information. You know, the truth is what you know doesn't impress me anymore. <laughs> what you know doesn't impress anyone anymore because the truth is I can Google... Any information I need in any given moment, I can listen to the greatest minds in the entire world. The truth is, to add value to someone's life in in, in the past, if you knew something that someone else didn't know, you could add value to their life. But in this time, that doesn't work anymore. We can't add value to people by helping them with something they don't know. That does help occasionally, but the truth is, we have access to more information than ever before. The truth is we can access anything. We can access entertainment. We can access money. We we can access anything. But the one thing that we cannot access is love. Love is the one thing that relies on somebody else giving it to us. And that is what we have. The power to give people the one thing they want that they cannot get for themselves is to love one another. And it's by this that the world will know that we're Jesus followers. When they walk into this room and they see a 55-year-old speaking to a 13-year-old that aren't related, they go, something must be going on around here. This is weird. You know, when they see Um, a homeless person sitting next to a business person sitting next to a skater sitting next to a single mum, sitting next to a grandparent all getting along they go something must be going on around here because that's not normal see that is the picture of the church that Jesus always had in his mind that we would love one another see it's the new command of Jesus it is the new command of Many great people have come with many great commands, but our king came with this command to love one another. Now, if you could choose any illustration to illustrate loving one another, I reckon the greatest illustration would be the one that Jesus chose on the Last Supper. You've got to picture the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples. You know, when you know you're about to die, what do you do? You do the most important thing, the most important thing. And so Jesus, the night before his betrayal, the night before he was going to be crucified on the cross, he gets his disciples together and he washes their feet, washes their feet. And we're going to dive this morning into this text of this um, illustration, as it were. I mean, Jesus really did it. He really got down and washed their feet, but he was speaking metaphorically he was trying to get at something deeper than just the washing of the feet so if you do have your bibles here this morning and you do want to read along with me it's john chapter 13 verses 1 to 17 i just love reading a big chunk of of the bible i just i'm in love with the bible so let's let's read this together i'll I'll read it on the screen and it's amazing how when you read it the holy spirit just points things out in your life and many of us over the next three or four minutes we're just going to get revelations that are just going to we're going to walk out of here so let's read this together john chapter 13 verses 1 to 17 it was just before the passover festival and jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And it's so interesting. You, you've got to see what this struggle that's going on in Peter's mind right here. He goes, no, said Peter. The nerve of Peter talking to Jesus saying no now i'm going to highlight this because i'm going to come back to this at the end the nerve that he would say no to jesus why would you say no to jesus washing your feet anyway we'll come back to this you shall never wash my feet and jesus answered unless i wash you you have no part with me then (laughs) he has a change of heart lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That story messes me up every time. Every time. Let's just take a moment, let's pray together, and then let's unpack these scriptures. Holy Spirit, we are very aware that you are here right now. You are speaking to all of us. Holy Spirit, we collectively open our hearts to you right now and we humbly invite you in. And we say, speak to us individually. Speak to us about what we need to be spoken to about. God, we come to you with teachable hearts, with open hearts, Holy Spirit. And and we turn toward you in this moment because we know you are, have everything we need. So we reach out to you in this moment. And we say thank you. Thank you for everything you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So you've got to see this right here. The disciples and Jesus enter this room together. And the Jewish culture, every time that they would get together for a meal... Someone would wash their feet. Now, the reason they would wash their feet, if I can, I'm just going to lay down for a minute. They didn't have tables and chairs like we do. They would sit around a small little table about this high, and there'd be a whole bunch of cushions on the floor. And, and they would sit like this. And then the next person would sit right beside them, and their feet would be right there, back. So, you can understand why it's important that they had clean feet. Because the feet were right there, right... I was, I was carrying my food over your feet to my mouth. So please wash your feet, all right? Please wash your feet. Now, another thing that you need to know about the Jewish people is they didn't have Nike Airs like we have. They didn't have RM Williams. They didn't have Converse. They didn't have any Vans. They, they didn't have closed-in shoes. They had sandals. And so, but they were respectable people. They would have a shower, a bath before they went out for dinner. Of course they would. That's why Jesus said, I don't need to wash your whole body. You've had a bath. But on their journey from their home to the meal, they would pick up dirt on their feet. You see, they walked the same roads that the camels walked and the, and, and, and the animals walked and, and, and the trades walked. They walked the same roads and they would be walking over excrement and they would step in things accidentally and their feet, would become filthy on the journey. Now, how true is that of life, hey? We're Christians. We love one another, but our feet can become filthy on the journey. And it's those smelly feet right next to us. (laughs) Does anyone know what I'm saying? You're a good person. I love you, but you've got some dysfunctions. And so I'm just going to, Not sit next to you because I can't handle those smelly feet. And instead of washing one another's feet, we move away from one another's feet. But Jesus here knows that it's important for us to be together at the table. To recline together at the table. To eat together at the table. So we have to wash one another's feet or it's going to be a smelly church. You know what I'm saying? And no one wants to eat with a bunch of smelly feet. But Jesus didn't say, when you come to the table, make sure you wash your feet at the door. (laughs) Hey, which would have made sense, wouldn't it? Look, when you come to my house, if my wife's just washed the carpet, can you take your shoes off at the door? Like, I'm not getting down with the toothbrush and scrubbing their shoes, right? Because I'm lazy. I just say, take your shoes off at the front door. When my kids come in, they've been playing in the mud. Get your shoes off, Jacob. What are you doing, you crazy kid? I don't get down and clean them. Hey, but Jesus here is saying, don't tell people to wash their own feet. Wash them for them. But even more than this, when you walked into a room, the Jewish culture, we all knew, we, like I'm a Jew. No, the Jews all knew that somebody was going to wash their feet. And every time you would get to a meal, the lowest status Of person would be the feet washer. Normally, a household would have a servant that their job was to wash the feet. So when you'd walk in, everybody would be waiting for the servant to wash their feet. Makes sense. But in this household, there was no servant. And so, what was going on? The people know that someone has to wash the feet. So what was going on? And we know this that the disciples were like this because we read it in other stories. When the servant's not there, what happens is the lowest person in the room washes the feet. And so they're all sitting around trying to be better than one another. I'm not doing it. No way. I'm not doing it. You can do it. And we know that the disciples thought like this, don't we? We see other stories. Jesus Can I sit at your right hand? And they even got mummy involved in on that one. You know what I'm saying? Like they were were scruffling for position. They wanted to be great. And you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. I actually believe that God has put in us a desire to be great. But it just happens in a different way to the way the world offers it. Anyway, so these guys want to be great. They want to be great. And they're all thinking to themselves, who is going to humble themselves and wash our feet? And then, and then, Jesus, the Lord and Master. Don't you love this? The Lord and Master stands to his feet and starts to undress. I could not imagine what was going on in the disciples' head, especially Peter's head. Whoa, 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 stop, no, whoa, hold on, Jesus. Oh my gosh, this is awkward. What is he doing? What is he doing? Oh my gosh, he's, he's about to wash our feet. The, you could have heard a pin drop in that moment because all of them didn't want to do it and Jesus stands up and takes the lead, starts to un- undress. Could you imagine? Just imagine you were sitting there in your own pride and Jesus himself humbled himself in front of you. So this is the environment that we that we're sitting in in this text that, that is written in between the lines that we miss because we live in Noosa, <laughs> 2,000 years later. And they're sitting here and Jesus gets up and he wraps the towel around him and he bends and he starts to wash their feet. And we don't know what the other disciples said, but we know when it gets to Peter, Peter and his big mouth, you see, from the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks. So we know what's going on in Peter's heart. And he gets down to wash Peter's, and Peter's like, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? Because Peter was full of pride. Now, Peter knew that he was following Jesus. Jesus was his rabbi. Jesus was the one teaching them how to live and what to do. And so if Jesus washes feet it means i have to wash feet and so he's there and he's like no 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 jesus you're not washing my feet you're not getting me with that one and then jesus says if i don't wash you you have no part with me if you don't let me be a humble servant You will have no part with me. Why is that? Because if our leader is not a humble servant, what chance do we have of being humble servants? See, he could see into the future. And he's like, if you don't let me show you how to live the way I want you to, you have no part with me. And Peter's like, all right, the whole thing, the whole thing. He's like, all right, chill out. I don't need to do the whole thing, just the feet. Now, the thing with the feet, it was the dirtiest part. It was the filthiest part. (sighs) The feet. It's those conversations that we don't have. You know those ones? It's, It's the issues that we don't talk about. It's that filth that we pick up on the journey Now, if there's one thing I know about this journey, it's tough. It is so hard. So, I mean, me and my wife pioneered a church three years ago. And you'd think that pioneering a church is just going to be this great journey of loving one another. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all in it for the same reason, aren't we? To love one another, to include others, to see people one to Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit creating this beautiful family. And idealistically, I thought that we were all Christians. I thought that when the Holy Spirit came, we were going to love one another well. How wrong was I? After three years of running a church, I've had our key people just bail on us. Just bail on us. And I'm talking like we gave up our lives for these people. I'm just explaining the story. I'm not boasting or anything this morning. like They had debt... Larissa and I personally bought their car for them because these people were in debt and out of depression. Like, I got down on my knees and washed their feet. It wasn't my dumb decision that got them in debt. It was their dumb decision. But I got them out of it because I believe that that's how we roll. We love one another. We wash their feet. As filthy as it may be, we get down and do it. And these people did not reciprocate. <laughs> They left. <laughs> that is picking up filth along the way. Because now I've got some mess going on. I've got gear going on. So next time I hang out with somebody that walks into my church and they look awesome, I've now got filth. Oh my, I'm, I've been hurt, as it were. So what am I going to do with this? I have been hurt. So people walk in and I've just got stuff going on. I've just got stuff going on. When people walk in, and this is, I'm just going to highlight this for example. We often want the pastors to have clean feet so that we don't need to wash them. We're looking for pastors with clean feet, but there's no such thing. Pastors need their feet washed as well. Pastors are just as human as every single person in the church. So when a new person walks in, if they're expecting me to be Jesus, guess what? I'm going to fail them. Because if this church of Jesus Christ is not built on love for one another, it's not going to be built. It's going to keep on going through the same old cycles, people coming, getting dirty feet and leaving. People coming, getting dirty feet, and leaving. Coming, dirty feet, leaving. We've seen this cycle in church for decades, hundreds of years. People coming, getting dirty feet, and leaving. But what if, what if Noosa Church could change that? What if we all made a decision today that we're here to wash one another's feet? Not see if they're washing their own feet, but to wash one another's feet. And then when someone else got dirty, we got down and washed it. What if we were crazy enough to actually do what Jesus said? What if we were wild enough to be Christian and love one another and live for one another and serve one another just like Jesus did? He gets down and he washes their feet. Oh, man, I want you to walk out of here today with a desire to love one another, to love your pastor like never before. Pastor um josh and pastor chris they are amazing people i've been able to hang out with pastors you guys do not know how blessed you are i mean i've been up close but he, he doesn't have he doesn't even have dirty feet at the moment this guy i'm sure one day he will right but these guys are incredible pastor josh and pastor chris you guys are so blessed with such great pastors and you're such a great church i mean look if you guys can't love one another at this church we've got some issues man look at these seats these seats like one of these seats is probably worth about 25 of my seats. You know what I'm saying? Like, this church is incredible. Look at the air conditioning. Like, the environment is poised for you to love one another here. I'm sure you've got a whole bunch of, <laughs> of programs and stuff worked out. There's three things I just want to pull out of this text, and we're going to wrap up. We're going to go home, and we're just going gonna to stumble together toward Jesus. We're going to figure this all out. And just before I... Just before I read this, if I can just have a moment of honesty and vulnerability, isn't it what we all want? I mean, honestly, don't we just don't we want to be part of a community where we can stuff up and mess up and not be like, oh, what'd you do that for? I tell you what, I don't need people pointing out my mess anymore. You know, I'm sick of that. Once I turned 12 years old, I got over that. You know what I'm saying? It's the last thing we need. Man, what? Don't don't we want to be loved? Don't we want someone to give us space to breathe and live and make mistakes and still be part of a family? That's what the church is. I mean, if we can't see that in the disciples Jesus chose, we're blind. They were just pathetic. And God chose them on purpose with all their hookups, all their grievances, all their mess-ups, and they were the ones he chose. <laughs> Man, that's what it's about, loving one another. This story is a story of vulnerability and trust. This is a story of vulnerability and trust. Because to be open to washing one another's feet means two things. I need to be willing to do it, but you also need to be willing To show me your filth. This is a story of vulnerability and trust. You know, love cannot truly exist without vulnerability. Because if I love who you're pretending to be, you will never truly receive love. Because you know you're not really being you. And you will brush my love off like water off a duck's back because you're not being vulnerable, and honest. This is a story of vulnerability and honesty. In James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, it says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We like to read past this one, don't we? (laughs) Confess your sins one to another. Okay, come on, ease up, tiger. How about you just keep your sins to yourself? I'll pretend that you're good. You pretend that I'm good and let's just keep moving on but then we get stuck in the place that we're stuck in right now where we can't love one another because if we're not vulnerable if we don't take a step of faith into investing trust into one another we'll never truly receive each other's love and never truly be able to love one another i remember when i was <laughs> about 6 years old i had my first ever cheeseburger from mcdonald's who lo- like cheeseburgers the pickles on those cheeseburgers. But when I was six, right, I, I thought it was just going to taste like a, like a hamburger, not a cheeseburger. So at six, I bite into this cheeseburger and I eat this pickle. And I was like, Ugh! right, And I threw that thing away. and I just, I'm never having a cheeseburger. Mom, why did you buy me a Happy Meal for? It's not happy at all. You know what I'm saying? It's disgusting. Anyway, so I, I went for the next probably ten years not having any cheeseburgers. When I was 15, I remember being at McDonald's once and I'm like, I'm going through the menu, and I see cheese. I go, oh, cheese! And I'm like, wait a second, why don't I like cheeseburgers again? I've got completely forgotten why I don't like cheeseburgers. So anyway, I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get the cheeseburger, thanks. So I get the cheeseburger and I'm, I'm unwrapping the cheeseburger. And I, I have my first bite as a mature-aged 15-year-old. I am now a mature-aged McDonald's restaurant eater. And I bite into that thing. Oh, the pickles. Oh, yes. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like straight to the counter. Can I get another cheeseburger? And I start to eat another cheeseburger. Because I'm like, this is unbelievable. Cheeseburgers are so incredible. Yet, at the age of six, six, I thought they were sour and disgusting. I, I I was there. But the thing is, at 15, I made a decision to try it again. Now, some of us, through life, have eaten pickles. We've eaten pickles. And so we've made a decision. I'm never going to eat these pickles again. I will never eat the pickles. I will live my life eating the hamburger. I will not touch the pickles. I will stay away from the pickles. If I see any pickles at church, I'm going to find another church with no pickles. You know what I'm saying, don't you? I went 10 years of my life missing out on one of the best burgers the world has ever created. (laughs) The cheeseburger. (laughs) Simply because I was hooked up on an immature decision I made at a young age. How many of us sitting in this room aren't loving one another like we used to. And we know we don't because of an immature we made about a pickle we ate. We picked up filth along the way and decided this is not for me any was controlled by that moment. But I want to encourage you this morning, you don't need to be controlled by that moment. You can make a decision today, I'm going to open up again. I'm going to be vulnerable again. Are you going to get hurt? My words are going to get hurt. Love is the messiest thing in the world. If you're part of a church and you're actually loving one another, it is going to be so painful it's not funny. Because we are all flawed and failures. But together, let's move past the pickles of life and let's choose to love one another again. Let's choose to be vulnerable again. You know another thing about this story? It's a story of forgiveness, isn't it? It's truly a story of forgiveness. That's truly the deeper meaning here. The story of forgiveness, no matter how dirty your feet are, Jesus says, I will wash them. And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter how dirty your feet are, Jesus will wash them. Jesus has washed them. He saw you on that cross, when he, and He's forgiven you for that deed. He's forgiven you for that sin, and you are loved. This is a story of forgiveness. Hey. When someone hurts us, let's be quick to forgive. Let's be quick to forgive. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, it says this Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. I love being a Christian. There's no other hope in the world like this. There is no other community in the world like this. There is no one talking about crazy things like this except the church, the hope of humanity, the people that carry the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, Marianne Williamson, I don't know who she is, but she's got a quote that I think is brilliant Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> Now you love that? You know, unforgiveness, it saps your energy and causes you to give up on life. Unforgiveness saps your energy and causes you to give up on life. I'll wrap up. The last thing that I just want to say is this is a story of focus. Jesus, on his last night, was getting their attention onto love last night last thing when you get your grandkids around you tell them your life lessons be good to your mother love your wife spend time with your kids you have that last moment and Jesus getting is like let's wash each other's feet let's love each other he was focusing in the best way he knew how. He was illustrating all of his life into one moment by washing the feet of his disciples. See, it's truly a story of focus. And this morning, in essence, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get his message and his story and paint a picture and so we could all look at it and go, wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you that you washed my feet. Holy Spirit, help me to do the same for others. You see, Jesus gave up the power of heaven to pursue loving people. He gave up his pursuit. I mean, he he, he gave up his power, his status to kneel on the ground and love one another. Let's be the kind of church that doesn't pursue power. Let's pursue love. And you know the great thing about the message of Jesus Christ? We can all do that. We can all do that. So The enemy paints a picture that none of us can do. You know 0.0086% of people in the world are rich and famous. 0.0086%. That is very little. Yet so many of us, live our whole lives aspiring to just have a little bit of what they've got. And we have depression, loneliness, anxiety on the rise like never before because we're focusing on the wrong things. But Jesus knew that he can solve the whole issue by getting our focus onto something we can all do because we can all love one another. You don't need to be smart. You don't need to be educated. You don't need to be rich or popular. You don't need to be good looking. You don't need anything to love one another. And when we do that, that's when we truly find fulfillment. I'm telling you, the most fulfilling thing in the world is when we get past our pursuit of glory and wash one another's feet. That's the kind of church that I will want that I would want to be a part of. And I know that's the kind of church that you want to be part of. So let's be that kind of church. I want to finish with 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11. And then I'll hand over to Pastor Christian. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I love you, church. Let's love one another deeply. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.